Luke chapter 8, while you are standing, thank you for remaining so and to honor God's word. Luke chapter 8, I'm thankful that our God is faithful. There is no shadow of turning with him. Our circumstances will fluctuate. Our emotions will certainly fluctuate with our circumstances, but God remains faithful, and I am so thankful for that. It's great to have Miss Jess back playing the piano. Um, uh, Miss, we have we have great ladies playing the piano. We just don't. I don't know that we always understand or appreciate how blessed we are musically. And then you know, Miss Bev and Miss Holly standing. Uh, behind me, Miss Jess has um, issues with blisters on her hands sometimes, and so she wasn't able to play. Um, but I'm I'm thankful that she was able to play this morning. That is a blessing, and, and I agree with Brother Max. And and here's the benefit of being here. That's greater than the benefit of playing any sport. Is this actually helps you deal with the things that you're facing and going into? And I'm thankful for that analogy. It was so so helpful. And we need, we need each other, and we need to be together. Think about, you know, Miss Sonia, um, Heidi, think about Carol Muir, think about Joy, Yuri, Miss Kelly's mom, and just, it goes on. There's no shortage of heartache and suffering, but this time is helpful for us. It doesn't make, a, it, doesn't make it go away, but it helps us to stay in the way when it's going on in our life. I'm thankful for how the Lord orders all this. I just... I want to I want to give thanks to God for the timing of things that I can't anticipate or predict. In Luke 8 verse 22 Now it came to pass on a certain day when you compare this gospel account with other gospel accounts others give more detail. Luke is vague on purpose and it and it and it helps in a way for us not to be as concerned with all of the minute details as we are with just the point of the, of the experience, that he went into a ship with his disciples and he said unto them, let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep. They viewed that as his indifference. And there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water, meaning the ship, the waves were beating against the ship and coming into water, and were in jeopardy, meaning their lives were in danger. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, and he wasn't ugly, he wasn't sarcastic. You know, Jesus, Jesus was confrontational, but Jesus was never nasty. And when dealing with his children, even in the confrontation, he was gentle. So if you're reading this text and you're thinking he's got this disfigured, twisted, angry, sarcastic countenance, you're misunderstanding the Savior. He's honest. He's asking a very pointed question, but he's not nasty. Where is your faith? And they, 
being afraid, wondered, look, they went from one fear to another. First they were afraid of the storm, then they're afraid of Jesus. Saying one to another, they didn't say this to him, what manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. The title is this, The Savior in Your Storm. The Savior in Your Storm. Father, I don't, I don't ever want to come to church just because it's what we do. And I, I profess that I have been guilty of that at times. But God, I want to meet with you. I want to be with your people. I want to be encouraging to and be encouraged by. But more than anything else, oh God, we desire to meet with you. You promised that, Lord, you would be in the praise of your people. And we have worshipped you and we have praised you and we have tried to do it sincerely and passionately. And God, we have no right to ask for anything else, but you give us permission. So I guess we do have the right. Because your word tells us to come boldly before your throne of grace. And so God, I'm correct that even now we do have the right because you give it to us. And so we ask you to talk to us this morning. And help this message to be helpful to your people. Where it needs to be convicting, help it to be convicting. Where it needs to be encouraging, help it to be encouraging. But would you, by the work of your spirit, be in your word and do that which only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. At this time, we'll enjoy a song from Miss Holly, accompanied by Miss Bev, and then we'll get to the message.
can't conquer death. Oh, but he passed. When tempted to sin, I failed the test again. But he passed. Yes, he has. He has been the greatest friend this world has ever known. He has paid the debt on Calvary all alone. He has. good ladies uh, man the contrast between who Jesus is and what he does and what we are and what we do that's, that was demonstrated so beautifully in that and then man I just I'm thankful for what what we see in those two ladies I mean uh, Holly and Jacob they came from North Carolina Miss Bev and brother Scott came from that other place and <laughs> and y y yeah no it's okay I mean the Lord loves us all, and I'm thankful for that. And then Miss Bev's guitar playing is just that it's a blessing. And, 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 and it's not the talent that's a blessing. It, it's the spirit that she has with that talent and the way she uses it and the way that she pours into other people. And then Holly's voice and the sound of that guitar just go together. And then you, you have the generational effect going on there. You have young and you have a little less young, not... Not a lot, but a little. Amen, Miss Bev. I'm trying to score some brownie points after that. And so doing penance right now. But man, it's just I'm just I'm just thankful for it. That's a that's a blessing. And man, when when we are at our worst, he is always at his best. And I'm just so thankful for that. The guys are gonna throw up a picture real quick. Um this is a just a, a tip of a just a small part of the Sea of Galilee. If you ever decide to do a study on it, it it's actually pretty fascinating, the geography. And, and some of that kind of, not, not completely, but some of that looks similar to places like Lucky Peak or, or Arrow Rock. 
And when you can get up high enough, uh, you actually climb the mountains that are above those water reservoirs. Then you can, you can see down, you have, a, you have a similar view. The Sea of Galilee is about 13 miles wide and, and 7 miles long. It is the lowest freshwater lake in the world. It resides about 680 feet below sea level. Now, what's significant about that is you, you notice the hills. It's surrounded by these hills or, or mountains, whatever you want to call them, on all sides. And, and those hills produce a, a funnel effect. And so you have this cool air that's at the higher elevation that will sweep down. And a couple of things will happen. It, it will go through canyons uh, of those hills. And as it goes through the canyons, it's compressed and it causes the air to pick up speed. And then that cooler temperature, as it comes down, it collides with the, wa- the air on the water or right above the surface of the water, which is warmer. And it makes for a very volatile environment. And so that that lake and, and that ge- geography of that area is ideal for having significant storms blow up. In, in fact, this wasn't just a thing that happened in Bible times. In 1992, in the city of Tiberias, which we read about in scripture, but it's still there today. The winds from one such storm caused waves to get about 10 feet high, and it did significant damage in certain areas of that town. Storms on that sea, on that lake, storms are normal. Storms are normal in life. Now, you've got to you got to get this at the beginning. Jesus was not surprised by this storm. And Jesus did not tell his disciples to go around the lake. Please get this. Jesus led his disciples right into that storm. This was not a small endeavor to sail across the lake he tells the disciples, hey, we're going to go to the other side. And what I, what I appreciate about the instruction here is Jesus doesn't immediately tell them why to do that. It's a big parenting point for me. If I can offer some free parenting advice, you don't even have to pay for this this morning. It's really important as parents that your kids learn how to obey before you start giving them explanations. Some, sometimes way too many parents, they fall into the trap of, defending and over explaining their commands your children need to obey you because you're their parents period and if you tell them to and i'm thankful for like the two moms that are saying amen to this but your children need to learn to be obedient before they get explanations and there's not a whole lot different than that when it comes to following god you know, we don't always understand all the things that are in this book, but we need to understand his authority and have confidence in his sufficiency and be willing to obey him even when we don't understand it. And so Jesus tells the disciples, hey, we're going to get in this boat and we're going to go to the other side. And it was their responsibility, especially those who made their living on the lake or made their living as fishermen, they, they, they were experienced at this. And so he gets in the boat and they begin the process of sailing to the other side. Well, as they sail, Jesus goes to sleep. Now, I love, I love this picture. This is not a sign of his weakness. It's a sign of his humanity and how he is fully God 
and fully man at the same time. He submitted himself to a limited body that needed to be fed, that needed to have water, and that needed to have rest. If you'll just remember in the previous verses, he was constantly ministering to people. He is on his feet all the time. He is constantly engaged in conversation, in preaching, in dealing with heavy truth. He is constantly in the process of healing. We're given a very small, minute fraction of all the things that Jesus did. But during his earthly ministry, the fraction of what is recorded in the Gospels, one Gospel writer said this in the book of John, I suppose that the world itself could not contain all of the scrolls, all of the books that would be written if everything that Jesus did was recorded by pen on paper. He was constantly ministering to people, and there were times when his body needed to rest. And so during this process of going from one side of the water to the other side, he just goes to sleep. Now, I can identify with this. I know how to fall asleep on a boat. Some people struggle with waves and stuff. I don't. It's like being in a hammock. Nobody's volunteering to rock me to sleep. Nope, still aren't. So I just go lay on a boat. Man, can you feel it? Some of you need to take your nausea medicine right now. Oh, man. It's soothing. Can you hear the small waves lapping against the boat? Oh, man, it's nice. So, okay, wake up. Come on. It's, Jesus needed rest. You don't need one right now. You're okay. <laughs> Jesus, he goes to sleep. Because he's all man, but he's aware of what's going on But because he's all God. But while he sleeps, one of these storms that this lake is notorious for blows up. Look, this is, these were experienced, if I can use this term, seamen. They were not new to the water, at least some of them. Their, their occupation, their livelihood, their lifestyle had been about navigating a boat on the water. And they had been in many storms. But there was something very unique about this storm. Because it says in verse 23, they were filled with water. Meaning that the intensity of the waves is such that the waves are coming in. The water is coming in to the boat. And you listen, you don't have to own a boat or be an expert on a boat to know that water's not supposed to be in the boat. You know, if the water's in the boat, that's a bad day for everybody on board. It, water belongs outside of the boat, under the boat. The boat is made to keep the water out. If water's getting in the boat, it's a problem. And it's coming in at such a rate that they know that unless something miraculous happens, we are going to die. That's why the text says they were in jeopardy. Their view of this and the view of anyone else from the human perspective looking at this storm, looking at the intensity of the waves, looking at the, of the wind, looking at the height of the waves, looking at the turbulence of the water, looking at the, their inability to control the vessel, they would look at it and say, these guys are in danger, they, they are going to die. And so they run to Jesus and they wake him up and they are in a panic. And they're not saying, Master, Master. They're saying, Master, Master. It's almost incredulous fear. Meaning, we're terrified and we can't believe that you would be sleeping right now. 
No, we're out here because of you. We followed you out here. We're trying to follow you. But now we're in the middle of this storm because of the direction that you're leading us. And, and you have the audacity to sleep. No, look, look. Let's just be honest. When we get panicked, we get angry. No, when we get panicked, when we get afraid, when we get uncertain, sometimes some of the most angry people are some of the most afraid of people, most afraid people. Because fear can create this anxiety that then turns into this frustration and this resentment. And so there they are, panicked because everything around them tells them, I am going to die. And then they're looking at him sleeping. And it, Master, we perish. It's recorded in another place. Carest thou not that we perish? Why don't, why don't you care about what is going on in our lives? I love how deliberate and composed Jesus was in this. You got, I love watching people that have a skill be able to exercise that skill under intense pressure. You know, it amazes me. You, the ER doctors with a life-threatening injury and, and you just have a couple of moments so that person is going to die and they're able to process all kinds of information. I mean, we have medical professionals and experts here. I, just, I, I have so much respect for when somebody's life is literally, it's going to bleed out in that moment unless somebody does something and they can, the right person at the right time, these men and women have trained and they can come in and they can just, they handle it. And I'm, it's amazing. Jesus wasn't flustered. Two things. I just want to encourage you with this. He wasn't flustered with the storm. And please look at me. He wasn't flustered with their struggle. No, no, no. He didn't approve of their struggle. He, he, he didn't tell them, hey, it, it's okay that you're like this and you can just stay like this. It doesn't matter. No, he dealt with them to help them to grow. But he wasn't flustered by them. Have you ever, have you ever gotten frustrated with someone because they were struggling? Have you ever made the statement or thought, why is this so hard for you? Why can't you figure this out? Why won't you get over this? All the married people are trying not to look at each other right now. Some, all the teenagers are, not, are trying not to look behind them right now. It's like, what's your problem? Why can't you figure this out? Jesus was never flustered. He wasn't flustered here in dealing, in dealing with these men who were struggling and who did not understand. So this is... This is about his deity, this next section. But he stands up and he rebukes the wind and the raging of the water. Now, we believe the word of God that Jesus, he's not just the Messiah, but he's the, creation, the creator. He's one with the Father. He's the eternal son of God. And as the creator, he has power over all of creation. Now, the fact that it uses the term rebuke, and I'm not stating this emphatically, I just, I'm interested in it. The fact that the storm was so severe, to me, there's a possibility that this experience was a result of some kind of spiritual attack. Now, the storms were common, but sometimes the enemy of this world can work through that which is common to make it even worse, to, to target 
and to assault. And we know just from the biblical record during the gospel, there was such a concentration of the demonic activity to oppose the work of Jesus Christ on the earth during that time. Whatever it was, whether it was just a natural occurrence or whether it was a, a, a supernaturally infused natural occurrence, Jesus had power over it. Okay, I, I love this. I love this. I've seen this happen so many times. Okay, man, man, your kids. Have your kids ever just lost their minds? Okay, just look, y'all just get over it. We love you. We love you. Girls, you're beautiful and I love you. But have your kids ever just turned into psychos momentarily? Like a wind blows in and they're raging. Okay, this is one of my favorite things in the world. This is better than any roller coaster I've ever been on. This is amazing. My my kids are just raging, and and I'm a terrible father. Sometimes I just watch to see what's going to happen, and it's fun. (laughs) Kids are just raging, and then when they rage, especially when they're like five, six, seven, and eight, you know they're experts, and they say the most ridiculous things. When they're teenagers, they have a they have their vocabulary is greater, but they still say the most ridiculous things. Anyway, they're just say the kids are just raging and raging against one another and it's like my parents hate me and blah 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 and I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to punch you in the face and I'm going to throw your toys out the window and I hate your grandma forgetting that they have the same grandma and it just I mean they're just they're raging against each other and this isn't fair and I love it. It's so funny to me. They start complaining about the un, the lack of equity and how their parents treat them. Not fair, and I never get to do this, and you always get to do this. They're raging, and then mom walks into the room. <laughs> do, do you see it? Like, oh, you're here. And it just, no, you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about Creation. Whether there was demonic influence or not, the def- definitely the curse of sin. It's raging in that moment. And then Jesus steps up. It stops. It goes from complete chaos to perfect calm. Just like that. Because he's God. And he, 